word this morning. I thank you that you're here by your spirit and that things are changing. Our lives are aligning with your promises. Our, our, our bodies are aligning with the promise of healing. Our finances are aligning with the promise of abundance. I thank you that our relationships are aligning and coming into health and wholeness. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that as I speak this morning, you take my words and let people hear what you say. Lord, I would rather stand aside and let the people hear what you say. Lord, speak into their hearts. Bring revelation from your word this morning that's born of your spirit in a way that takes us to a new level in our relationships with each other through fellowship. Father, I thank you that you, you do a miracle in our midst today in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. We're talking about um, going deeper in our relationships through fellowship. And I'm going to continue with that theme this morning. Um, and I'm going to be talking about the one another's of the Bible. Uh, there's, you know, you, you, oh, you'll get there. That's right, we'll get there. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 12 to 27 out of the Message Bible. There must be something about the Message Bible this morning. I don't know what that is, but there you go. It, says, um, it starts out this. It says, you can easily see enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells. No matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels were once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew and Greek, slave and free. They're no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head. Would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If it was all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully, pla God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because you are a part of it. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. I love that. I think it's just really expressive and it says it so well. It says, what we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you, or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but you cannot live without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. 
If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? Let's talk about that. It goes on to say, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as the church. Did you hear that? The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part, the parts we mention and the parts we don't, the parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. That's the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. Recently, we've been talking about this whole thing about taking our relationships deeper through fellowship. And for this to happen requires that all work together on our connections. We all work together on our connections. And this is each of our responsibility to be connected requires that two or more people come together for a wide variety of reasons. For, uh, for our vacuum cleaner to work at home, that the electricity has to flow through the power cord, it won't work unless it's plugged in. It's just not going to work. I've, I've tried this. Okay, it didn't work. Okay, that's just a tip. If it's not, your vacuum cleaner's not working, make sure it's plugged in. Or you've got a really good suction on your mouth and it can just flow that. There's an old joke about blowing up a bus, but he burnt his lips on the exhaust pipe. But we won't go there. <coughs> for our electronic devices, okay, access to the internet, for, for access to the they've got to be connected, okay? If there's no connection, then there's no flow of information. Many of us have probably experienced the, the whole frustration of not getting connected to the internet when we really needed to be. Because I just needed to make sure that I got another like on my post on Facebook. So I needed to make sure that I, and I couldn't connect to the internet because I wasn't connected through my Wi-Fi. So what we do then is we go and check our settings, we restart our devices, we restart our Wi-Fi route, routers, and if that doesn't work, we phone our internet service provider, and then we seek technical support, and whilst we're learning patience as we work our way through the queue, because you're now 20 minutes away from the nearest operator being actually speak to you, would you like a phone call back? Press 1, okay, you press 1, and 30 minutes later you might get a phone call. So... In the majority of the cases, you know, the, the, the whole thing is resolved when we get that technical help and we move forward in life. So the whole idea and philosophy of connection, there's this basic requirement in life about connection. We need connection. We want to be connected. We've been given this God-given disposition uh, to be connected. Uh, we want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We have this, this desire in us to be loved and accepted for who we are. We want to be celebrated for who we are. We want to be connected with people around about us that can actually start to help us to feel those things about us. And in the same breath, there comes this realization that in that connection with others, there's a responsibility to love and, and accept others as they are and as God has shaped those people. 
We, we, we want to celebrate them just as much as we want to be celebrated ourselves. It's this mutually beneficial relationship that a connection that gives and takes. There's this where the time is given to, to learn and to grow together and to truly love the people around about us and for them to love us. That takes time. It's not a, a, an instant process where, you know, like you just, uh, oh, you, you see this person and boom, you know, you, you, uh, there's this instant connection. Sometimes I guess it does happen, but it's, it's my experience that it takes time. It takes time, it takes patience, it takes uh, being together and those sorts of things. You know, uh, the, the, sometimes relationships and connections aren't easy. In fact, they're, they're not quick and quite often, they're not linear either. You know, it's not, just don't go straight up like that. My experience is that relationships are a bit like a roller coaster. You know, you're up, you're down, you're doing the corkscrew thing. You, you know, you're going upside down, you're going back down, you're going downhill in your relationships. And so there's this whole thing that, about relationships that are really sometimes quite hard. Connections are quite hard. Can I suggest this morning, though, that our connections and our relationships together are more about the issue of our identity than they are about whether people are going to like me or not? Who is our identity in? Where does our sense of identity come from? The Bible talks about all the sorts of connections that we, we're seeking. Jesus and the Apostle Paul spoke a lot about these connections and the relationships that we need together. They are called the one another's or the each other's of the Bible. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, the way that the one another's and the each other's work is simply like this, where, where two or more people are doing something together. They are in relationship with others. So it, the Bible says that we uh, are to encourage one another and another, and another, and another. It's the one another's. You know, it's not just going to stop at one person, but it's the one another. It's that one, oh, and another, and another, and another. It's, it's the each others. It, we're in the same thing. We're going to move forward together. It's each other. We're, we're in this together. It's, the, it's about the connections that we have in and around about us. It's the one another's. This means that as I develop a relationship with someone, that I do it for another, and another, and another. It's the one another's, it's the each other's, That's, it's reciprocated back to me. It's the principle of sowing and reaping, like I said when we received the offering this morning. It means that we are doing life together and certain things happen as we do life together. It means that our relationships have certain qualities and characteristics, things that we need to, uh, we agree that need to happen for each of us to receive and to give all that we can as being a part of one another and each other. So what sort of characteristics or qualities do these relationships have that are suggested in the Bible? So glad you asked. So the first one I'm going to look at is just to encourage each other. Just to encourage each other. That's one of the, uh, the great things about being in relationship with each other is that you're able to encourage each other. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. We've got to build each other up. We've got to encourage each other. I've got to tell you right now, if you want your relationships to, to, uh, to survive and to be healthy, then stop tearing each other down. Stop gossiping. 
Gossip causes division. It talks about that in Proverbs. Uh, gossip divides good friends. You know, we've got to stop, do- we've got to stop criticizing. We've got to stop doing that. We've got to instead encourage one another and build each other up. If I know anything, my children responded a great deal more when I encouraged them than when I started to criticize them and pull them down. In leadership, when you start to encourage people and build people up in your leadership and and the, the teams that you're doing, they respond so much better to encouragement and being built up than they ever do to criticism. Am I saying that we don't adjust and correct? No, but we do it in an encouragement sandwich. We encourage, we bring adjustment, and we encourage. That's an encouragement sandwich right there. And we feed that. We do it sincerely out of a good heart, but we do that in, in that way. He, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25 says, as we're talking about encouraging each other, let us he- consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. One of the greatest encouragements that we can give to each other is the encouragement to keep being connected, to keep loving, to keep serving, to catch up with each other at church, in a connect group, over coffee, on a bike ride, in, in whatever we need to do. Don't stop meeting together. Don't stop going to church. Get in a connect group. Encourage each other and build each other up as we are doing life together, as we're connected together. We're going to build each other up. We're going to encourage one another in those atmospheres. Romans chapter 1 verse 12 says this, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So why did I, I, I uh, ask that Elle and Julie this morning, which is just you know, like, I, I opened it up for anybody who wanted to, because I wanted to be encouraged by their faith. Uh, what, what God had done for them, I believe God could do for me. We read the Bible that you know, God does some amazing things in the Bible and it's recorded there for us so that it's an example that when we read that and it quickens in our spirit, something happens in our, in our spirit that we read that, we say, you know what, if you did that then, God, then you can do that for me today. If you're looking for healing, find a scripture that leaps off the page about healing for you and start to declare that over your life as the truth of your circumstance, not what your body's telling you. I'll go to this side. Guys, find out what God's Word says and, and let's encourage each other with that faith. God's got you on a journey. God's got you on a journey. God's got you on a journey. Let's allow the Spirit of God to encourage us as we learn from each other and, and lean into each other's faith. Because the reality is some days I need your faith. I don't know that I could take another breath unless I hear your God story where God broke through for you and he did something for you. And you know what? I want you to lay your hands on me and to say, God, you know, just release what God's done in your life. You know what? Some of us here today, we're going through life alone. We're not seeing success in some areas because we fail to realize that God has done something in the person that's sitting next to you and that that's the very thing that you need in your life. Let me explain. Okay, I, I, I had a great conversation with a couple that helped me to see this this week. That when you're going through, you've got, you know, like your finances are just not happening. So whatever it is, it's not just, just not working for you. 
Well, find out who in the church that has got their finances together, who's doing their finances really well, and you get their hand on your head, and you get them to pray for you, to release what God's done in their life into your life, and you start to have a coffee with them. You say, can you help me with my finances? That's body ministry right there. That is what we need to be doing. If you're struggling with, uh, with just different issues in life, and you know what this, this actually means? This actually means you need to be vulnerable. What? You've got to be joking. Vulnerable? You mean I've got to be real? Yeah, you do. Otherwise, get used to how you are. That's pretty simple. You're never going to see change unless you open up your heart and your life to people around about you and say, I'm struggling with this. Can you lay your hands on me? Get, you know, we're vulnerable. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, we see the story where they sold their possessions, their houses, to meet the needs of someone in, the, in that, that congregation. Why? Because someone said, I've got a need. They were vulnerable in that moment, and that vulnerability actually accessed a blessing for them so that they had their needs met. Vulnerability is huge in the body of Christ. Vulnerability. Being real. It's one of the cultures we want to, uh, to, to establish within this church is the, the, the vulnerability aspect of being real. You don't have to be a happy, clappy person all the time. I got asked that at the, uh, the uh, business breakfast on, on Friday morning with all these business people, 40, 50 different business people saying, are you one of the happy clappy mob? Absolutely I am. You better believe it because God's made a difference in my life. And I'm so glad. You wouldn't want to be hanging around me if, before I was a Christian. Oh boy, I'm not going to get anywhere near this stuff, I can tell you. Here's, here's the deal. We cheer each other on. Okay? We're helping each other to, to, in our faith. We're mutually helping each other in our faith. I've spoken about this recently, that we're in a race, the race of faith. Okay? We need people on the sidelines cheering us on. That when we're in the race alongside of each other, I can say to you, and I did this only yesterday morning in the park run, there were people overtaking me. They were doing a lot better than I was. And my, my response was, slow down. Hang on, let me grab hold of you. No, it wasn't that at all. I said, go, go for it. You're going to get a PB today. You're going to absolutely do an amazing job. You're almost there. We've got a responsibility, even in the race, to encourage the people around about us. We're mutually encouraged by our faith. We are built up in our faith. Number two, we learn together. It says, Acts chapter 2, verse 12, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? I know what. Let's learn together. Colossians 3.16 Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. We need each other so we can learn from each other. You know, you say, well, you learn from your mistakes. I reckon it's better to learn from someone else's mistake. <laughs> Saves you the pain. Okay? <laughs> How about we learn together? What have you learned through that experience? Help me to see some things. Bring revelation from the Spirit of God, the, the things that you learned as you went through that particular hardship. We all go through devastating things. We all have sicknesses at times, roadblocks, challenges and difficulties. How, we, we need to learn so much from each other. 
We have so much to, to give to each other. How did you overcome that difficulty? How did you overcome that particular difficulty, that season that you went through? How did you make it through the dark night of the soul? When you thought you'd actually walk off the end of a building and just kill yourself, how did you overcome in that area? I need to learn from you. What did you do? What caught your attention? What captured your, your imagination and saw you see breakthrough in that particular area? There's wisdom here that will help you get through the darkest nights of your life. We've got to learn from each other, church. Number three, honour one another. Honour one another. I'm nailing some stuff today. You better turn to the person next to you right now. He's going to nail you. He's going to get you. Romans chapter 12 verse 10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. You know what humility is? It's thinking about others more than you do yourself. That's a simplistic view of humility. It's thinking about others more than you do yourself. To esteem or revere someone is to honour them, to value them. As Christians, we've got to stop judging people and start to value people. The very person that you're judging is likely, in the, the, the humour of God, the very person that holds your breakthrough. Did you understand what I said? God's having a joke with you. The person you have the difficult time with is a person that's going to actually release breakthrough in your life. And we've got to stop judging people and start to value them for who God created them to be. Paul says to the church in Rome, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. This is how to treat our brothers and sisters in Christ, to honour them above ourselves. We're being called to honour others, to value them, to devote ourselves to them. This means that when something happens in the relationship that threatens the harmony of the relationship, that we actually seek to understand what's going on by simply going to someone and saying, I'm not sure I'm understanding what's happening in our relationship. Can you help me to understand what's gone wrong? I'm not sure if I've done something or if I've said something. I just want our relationship to come back into the harmony. Can we work this through? That's to value the relationship. But when all we do is remember the things that that person didn't do, they haven't done. When, when we remember those things that we, we point the finger and, and say, you know, uh, well, you weren't there for me when, and, 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 and you did this and you said that. All we're doing is loading up our gun with ammunition to shoot the people rather than seeing the things that they did do. Sometimes we struggle in our relationship with God because all we see is the things that he doesn't do, the prayers that he doesn't answer. And we're the same with the people in and around about us. All we see is the things that they didn't do and that they haven't said to me. Rather than valuing them for who they are and the things that they can produce in your life and my life, seeing the things that they do do, I thank you that you pray for me. Jane and I thank you for your prayers for us. We thank you for your giving in the church. We thank you for your friendship. But we can't be there for everybody. That's why we've got the body. That's why we've got connect groups. Sadly, we need people when something goes wrong in a relationship. They walk away. The devotion to each other stops and honour goes out the window. What if, though, we refuse to walk away? What if we devoted ourselves to each other? 
What if, even when it's hard, even when it's tough, even when we want to walk away, what if we didn't and we devoted ourselves to each other, regardless of how we felt, because I see in that person that that's the person that Christ died for and I want to be in their life. Rather than listening to the enemy and sowing his seeds of disunity, division, seeing those things that they're not doing, how about we see the things that they are doing? We make a decision to walk away. It's it's not something we'll... uh, We need to make that decision. I'm not going to walk away from this. Jane and I have made certain decisions in our relationship. Divorce is a word we'll never speak about in our relationship together. It's off the table. It's not even a consideration. Going to church is a priority for us. When there's an opportunity uh, to not go to church, we'd rather take the opportunity to go to church. It's our responsibility. It's our decision. Because we know that the importance of being in the house of God in an atmosphere of worship and faith does something to our lives. And we value that. I can't remember what number it is, but next one's accept each other. Because I forgot to number my points. There you go. Number four. Praise God. Hallelujah. Four. Number four. I knew that. Number four, accept each other. Romans 15, 7 says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. In order to bring praise to God. In other words, open up our hearts. Let's let's live our lives with one another. Christ opened his arms to accept and embrace us. Now Jesus calls us to do the same for the people around about us. Let's accept each other. Let's accept one another. Recognizing that we're all a work in progress. You think you're good now? Wait until next week when you've listened to this message again. You can even better. You're going to take notes. You're going to think, oh man, I could do that. I could do that. Next week you're going to be better than you are this week. So let's accept each other. As we are recognizing the growth process. We don't like have toddlers in our, our families and our lives and expect them to be able to drive the car. There's time they need to grow and to develop. Let's give each other some space and some 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 what's the, grace. Thank you, the grace. Who said that? Well, Naomi, my daughter. Of course, she takes after me. <clears throat> Jane taught her everything. She knows everything good anyway. <laughs> They may, people may not seem uh, like us, look like us, sound like us, believe what we believe, but Jesus says to accept them in the same way that he accepted us and thereby bring praise to God because Christ accepted me when I didn't believe what he, he, he stood for. There's, there's, I've been on this journey of discipleship and growing and maturing as a Christian, as, as a son of God. We all have, as sons and daughters, been growing in this. And there's been times where I didn't believe what the Bible said. And it's only through the process of time that I've come to accept that. We need to accept each other. Ephesians 4.2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. That word bearing means to suffer. You've got to suffer with some people. That means that when they're going through a difficult time, that you're there for them, but it also means sometimes they're just not nice people, you need to suffer with them. 
You all right? You okay this morning? You okay? Praise God. This is, this is the Bible. This is, I love the Bible. Jesus humbled himself and came to the earth to die on the cross for us. Jesus has been patient with us, bearing with us in love. Remember that Ephesians 4 says? It says, bearing with one another in love. And we're asked to bear with one another in love. And this is what I really want to major on this morning, is number five, we are to love one another. We are to love one another. In fact, we're commanded to love one another. It's, it's not a suggestion. It's not a wish list. We are commanded by Jesus to love one another. John thirteen thirty four says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. John fifteen seventeen. This is my suggestion. This is my command, he says, to love one another. This is not a superficial love, but a sacrificial, real, and deep love. This is not to just love you when I feel good about you or you're do doing something for me. This is to love you, warts and all, with all of our failings, with all of our faults, with all of our fixations, everything. We are called to love one another regardless. 1 Peter 1 verse 22 says, Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Love deeply from your heart. You can always tell what's in your heart by what comes out of your mouth. Jesus himself said that. For out of the heart the mouth speaks. It's how we can tell like, how we feel about giving. It's also how we can tell how we feel about the people that we're in relationship with. Are we building them up and encouraging them or are we gossiping and criticizing them? It's out of the heart, all out of the heart because the mouth speaks. What are we saying over the people around about us? The way we are to love each other is in the same way that Jesus loves us. John 15, 12 says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. How does Jesus love us? How does God love us? Glad you asked. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 8, out of the Passion Translation. So I've got to speak this really like enthusiastically. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat. For love never gives up. If we will live our lives by loving others, just as Jesus tells us to, then we will be given every opportunity to grow in ways that will conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. You're in a church that's going to give you every opportunity to learn patience. You're in a church that's going to give you every opportunity 
to bear with the faults of each other. You're in a church that's going to give you every opportunity to get over yourself. You're in a church that's, that's going to give you every opportunity to grow in love. That's the sort of church I want to be, where there's actually, the, the pastor should never be put on a, a pedestal. Can I tell you why? Because I've got faults just like you. And if you're looking at me as perfection, you're in for a big, big surprise. I have tattoos. I love drawing as a kid, so I thought I'd get someone to draw on me as an adult. And now I'm stuck with it. Only in relationship with others do we find opportunities to develop these sorts of life characteristics that we have, the opportunities right here in Infused Church. This is the sort of church that I want Infused Church to be. Have a listen. A church where we can learn patience. A place where we can be gentle and consistent in our kindness. A church where we can celebrate the success of others and, to, and the awards that they achieve and that they receive. A church where we learn that life is not all about us. A church where we accept others regardless of faults, failures and fickleness. A church that honors vulnerability and welcomes openness. A safe church where we believe the best for others. A church with a reputation for not disconnecting and giving up when things don't work out or simply go wrong. Well, we want this to be a church where there are no perfect people. We want this to be a place where we can love and be loved and to release that just as Jesus did in his, his world as well. If God is love, then we should be known for loving each other. Other believers will know it and the world will know it as well. In John chapter 13, verse 35, it says, by, all the, by, by this all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. It's a sign to the world and to other people around about that we're in this together. In John, 1 John 3.11, this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We, 1 John 4.11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Love is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love one another. We don't have to love each other. Rather, we get to love each other. For God loved us first. Because we've experienced such a perfect love, it ought to move us to love one another. Love does so much more for us and for others. Love covers each other. It doesn't expose or point out our faults to others. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. You may have been wronged. You may have been hurt. But keep it between you and God. And if you need to be able to talk to the other person about this issue, go and talk to them. There's only one street named in the entire Bible. It's called Straight Street, and it talks about where we're to go to the other person and sort out an issue. Straight Street. Not zigzag, not going to the church gossip, not putting in the church bulletin, not putting on the prayer request list. We go and we talk to the person that we've got an issue with or has an issue with us. But that's for mature Christians. That's for grown-up Christians. I love yous. Thank you. Thank you. 
I'm so glad Jesus loves me and covers me. And now I get to do the same for others. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Luke 6, Jesus tells us even to love our enemies. The person that abused you, the person who hurt you. How do we even do that? Well, glad you asked. 1 John 4.7 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. How do I love the people that are around me? How do I love the, my enemies even? How do I love those that despitefully use you or gossip about you, criticize you? How do I love the people that are in my church that I do love? How do I can love them better? Well, we love the people around us by allowing the love of God to flow through us. So how we love the others like Christ loved us is by allowing us ourselves to be conduits of what God's put in us. That's why this morning... We had our hands out ready to receive. Then I asked everyone to release what God has given to you, to the people around about us. I don't want to be the Dead Sea. I, I want to be a flow of what God's doing in, the in my life. I want him to, to enrich your life. And I want you to enrich my life by allowing what God's given to you to flow into me. The people around about us need us to be a flow, a hosepipe, a conduit, a river, of blessing. We love the people around us by allowing God to flow through us. 1 John 4, 12 says, no, uh, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We're able to love others, to accept others, to honor others, to encourage others, to learn from others because God's love is in us. I started this message talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 12. However, to live this kind of way in connection with the other believers, means that we are filled and led by the person of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 11, we're told about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are gifts that benefit and bless and serve the people around about us and the ones that we're in, in, in relation to in our community. Galatians 5, 22 to 23, talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's fruit that helps us to connect with the people around about us. To live this way is nothing short of centering our lives around God, encountering Him, living for Him, and walking in His light. 1 John uh, 1 verse 7 out of the Message Bible says this, But if we walk in the light, God Himself being the light, we also experience a shared life with one another as the sacrificed blood of Jesus, God's Son, purges us from all sin. And here's the point of the message today. Finally, he's getting to the point. My goodness, he's got there. Praise God he's got to the point of the message. Here's the point. Whether we accept each other, encourage each other, learn from each other, honor each other, or even love each other is not what connects us. That is the result of our connection. Our connection together as the body of Christ is not based upon whether we like the same things, enjoy golf or cooking or sewing or painting. Our connection together as believers is not based upon our personalities, upon our gifts or our abilities. Our connection together is based upon the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ and the penalty that was paid for our sin and that set us free to enjoy fellowship with each other. That's the basis of connection. 
It's nothing to do with me. It's nothing to do with you. It's everything to do with what Jesus has done. It's everything to do with what Jesus has done. And we've got to get past that. Now, I want to say right up front, okay, that those things about encouraging, accepting, learning, and loving, and all of those other one another's, and there are many in the Bible, every one of those is important, and they are vital, and they are positive. But they are not the reason that we are connected. They are the result of our connection. Because we are a part of the same family of God, and we're a part of the same church, his church, not, not the church, I mean his church. That's why we are connected. We are connected because of Jesus. That's the reason for our connection. And as a result of our connection, when we are vitally connected with God through the, the blood sacrifice of Jesus, by faith, all of these other things start to flow. Here's, here's, here's a challenge for you, okay? If those things aren't flowing in your life, how's your connection with God? How's your connection with the Father? How are you and God doing? Have you even talked this week? Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 28, Message Bible says, By faith in Christ you are in direct relationship with God. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe. Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew or non-Jew, slave or free, male or female, choleric, uh, uh, sanguine, melancholy, uh, extrovert, introvert, uh, football lover, AFL lover. Did you notice the difference there? And I said that. Okay, just checking. There's no, none of that goes on. None of that goes on. What, what it is, among us you are all equal. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the commonality. That's the thread. That's what we are here for because of our connection with God. It's a matter of our identity. It is a matter of our identity. Let's stand. I could go for another half an hour, but I know that you don't, so that's cool. I, I pray this gets on the inside. I pray this message gets on your inside. I pray this message gets on your inside this morning. I pray this message gets on your inside this morning. I actually want to make a subtle change and difference in the way that I want to do things this morning. I'm not going to ask for people to come out and to pray and stuff like that. I actually want us to make a declaration together. I want us to make a declaration this morning out of one th sorry, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. I hope it's on that uh, PowerPoint, Kaylee. Thank you. This is what I want us to, to make a declaration, to say out loud together. I want us to make this declaration over our lives this morning. Because of our relationship, because of us being in Christ and Christ in me, I want us to pray and to speak out this declaration this morning. Are you ready? Okay, together. We ought always to thank God for each other and rightly so. 
because our faith is growing more and more and the love every one of us has for each other is increasing. And I declare that over my life. I declare that over your life in the name of Jesus. Let's close our eyes for a moment. Close our eyes for a moment. I know that some of you are probably feeling I'm coming with a sledgehammer this morning. I've slugged it out with you. And maybe you've taken some sucker punches and maybe the Spirit of God has, has done some stuff in your spirit and just brought things to, to your mind about stuff uh, that you, know, you just would rather get over. But this morning I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit that this message gets on the inside. That our connection together is based in the very fact that we are born again, spirit-filled believers whom the blood of Jesus made a way that we could come into right relationship with God the Father. And that's the only thing that has created this connection with us, each other. We would not be here today if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus is able to set people free from sin. And this morning, I don't know everybody, but I want to give an opportunity this morning. I don't know if you're connected to God. I don't know if you've ever accepted Christ's sinless sacrifice for your sin. Many of the people in here have. Many of the people have said, I want to live for you. I believe that you died for me, that my sin was nailed to your cross and that your blood flowed over my sin and set me free from the power of sin. And that as a result of that, I can have eternity with you as a result. So this morning, if you've never prayed, that you've never asked God to be the Lord of your life, you've never openly said, I, I believe in the sacrifice of Jesus, but this morning you want to. You want to make sure that you've got this connection with God and it's vital and it's real. This morning, would you put your hand up if you've never prayed a prayer that says, I want God as my Lord and Savior this morning. Is there anyone here this morning? Just put your hand up nice and tall so that I can see. So I know who I'm praying for this morning. Is there anyone? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you that this message is going to go in deep. And as a result of it, our lives will be different. I pray that you be with each and every one of us this week and that you'd help us to remember that we're called and commanded to love others around about us in the same way that you have loved us. And that is sacrificially. And I thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name this morning. Amen.